Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Movie, the online streaming cinema. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Let's go, girls. Ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast with FilmStage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan, and with me today we have Michael Snydell. Hello. Bill Graham. Woo! And a special guest on to help us talk about Andrew Bajalski's Support the Girls, it's Nathan Smith. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. Very well. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I guess maybe I should actually say something like uh, "Howdy, y'all." Uh, I I was firmly considering trying to do all of this in like a Southern Texas accent, but I decided against it. Yeah, it's a bit of a commitment. Ninety minutes, you know. Yeah, that's. Oh, I was talking about just the intro. You're trying to sign me up for the whole damn <laughs> podcast. That's not going to happen. Um, yeah, no, from Texas, but you know, my best friend when I was there was like British, so that wouldn't really help me out. Yeah, I uh, did not really develop any form of accent until after I left Texas. So that is super weird. That. <laughs> I was there for a year and a half, and my family still lives there, and I go down for holidays, but no, no accent has developed as of yet. So that's that. Um, Yeah, we're talking about Support the Girls today, the newest from the director of Results, which we talked about on this podcast many, many moons ago. And before we get into that, the usual stuff, find us on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, blah, 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 podcast at filmstage.com for your longer thoughts. Become a patron to join our patron slack by going to patreon.com slash the film stage show. As little as $1 an episode gets you super special raffle access. Uh, like I said, you could become part of our film stage show slack where we talk about movies and TV and shit. And uh, it's generally pretty awesome. So again, patreon.com slash the film stage show. Twitter.com at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show, and uh, I think that's uh, about it for all the Do ways to... Do we have to... an Instagram? I don't really know. <laughs> Why would we need one? Who the <laughs> hell wants to see us? My voice is so much nicer than my face. <laughs> yeah, but that... film is a visual medium. <laughs> film is a visual medium. I wasn't medium. talking about writers. <laughs> Podcasts are an audio medium. No one will ever know our faces. Um... <laughs> Every time I find out that like one of our listeners is nearby, I'm like, don't find me. <laughs> Let the mystery live. <laughs> um, it's, it's like uh, it's like seeing a picture of Terry Gross. <laughs> I've never seen a picture of Terry Gross. So, yeah, yes, it is exactly it. like that. Don't ruin the mysteriousness. <laughs> I will say Ira Glass looks exactly like he sounds. So that's not a disappointment. I don't think I mentioned this on here, but Bill and I met each other in real life in the last couple weeks I don't, I don't know time is a an illusion but yeah <laughs> yes flat circle but yes we met in real life and it was it was strange because you're like oh i've talked to you <laughs> for hours every weekend <laughs> but you're like in front of me <laughs> <laughs> we are not separated by a podcast 
<laughs> section, whatever you got set up. I don't know what y'all got it set up. So. You like meet for coffee and just sit back to back and just talk to each other that way. <laughs> I mean, oh my beer, God. let's be honest. <laughs> well, of course. Um, so before we get into our review, uh, I want to remind everyone that we are brought to you by the fine folks at Mubi, the online streaming cinema, where every day their curators find a brand new awesome movie for you to enjoy and you have 30 days to watch so there's a constantly rotating selection of 30 films that you can get your grubby little eyes on <laughs> and eye you can watch <laughs> those grubby dirty eyes of yours <laughs> i don't know what's going on it's a weird day anyway um movie watch it on your smart tv your pc your laptop your phone if you're a monster there's some great stuff going on. Michael Snydell has been super amped about the Johnny Toe Festival that's going on. Hell and we yeah. have another one of those. This week's highlight, Triad Election. Our journey through the playful and profound cinema of Johnny Toe continues with one of his finest, a gangster film and a sequel that boldly stands on its own, storing the electoral process within a triad gang, Election 2, which is not what the title of the tri I don't know what's going on. Anyway, look for something that says triad or election, I guess. Is a deceptive yet welcome reminder that all gangster films are political. So this is unrelated from the Purge election year franchise, right? Yes, it is also not Election starring Reese Witherspoon and Matthew Broderick. Oh, yeah. yeah. Election is also a Johnny Toe movie too. So. <laughs> <laughs> and everything of course is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'll do one more recommendation I see today. Uh, the film of the day uh, on the second when we're recording is actually The Good, the Bad, and the Weird, which is a uh, a, a pretty entertaining uh, spaghetti western from uh, Kim Jae-woon, who did uh, A Tale of Two Sisters and um, other things that are slipping my mind. But yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's definitely worth checking out and a really uh, easy watch. All right. Excellent. So that's a movie. If you'd like a free 30-day trial of movie, go to mubi.com slash filmstage and enjoy 30 days of finely curated cinema on us. So that's that for all the housekeeping and stuff. Now we can get into our feature review. And that is, as I said, Support the Girls, which is out in limited release and streaming platforms now. It is by writer-director Andrew Bajalski who previously did Results and Computer Chess, and it stars Regina Hall, Haley Lou Richardson, Dylan Galula, Zoe Graham, Ann McCaskey, and I could keep going, but I won't. So let's hear the trailer. My name is Lisa, I'm the general manager, and my girl just said you got a little disrespectful with her. <laughs> a what? Well, you might have thought you were just having a little fun, but I have a zero tolerance policy on disrespect, so uh, you're gonna have to go. Blow me. This is a mainstream place. Tubes, brews, and big screens. Yeah. Although I will say our strategy is moving, you know, sort of away from boobs and into butts. You're not wearing a whole lot of clothes, but it's a family place. Like working at, at Chili's or Applebee's, except the tips are way better. If you know how to work it. And notice how I open my mouth real wide when I laugh, like... All right, so that is the trailer for Support the Girls, a film in which Regina Hall plays general manager at a kind of Hooters light local restaurant that uh, takes place in Austin, Texas. Let's talk about it. 
First of all, uh, has anyone seen any of Andrew Bajalski's previous films? Uh, Bill, I know you and I at least have seen results because we talked about it on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I believe we were both fairly positive on it. I believe so. All right. Michael Snydell, what about mm-hmm. yourself? Uh, I've seen Computer Chess um, and really liked that one and kind of honed in on the, the ways it, it felt you know, you know, very characteristic of the stereotypes of a mumblecore, but also the the ways it could also feel very loopy and sweet. And um, I was really kind of taken taken with it, and also the really bizarre sense of specific, era specificity mm-hmm. and uh, detail oriented qualities of it. So yeah, I was I was definitely a fan of that one. All right, Nathan. I've seen, I think, all of his features except for Mutual Appreciation and Beeswax. I recently watched Funny Haha, his first film, uh, which is way more in the sort of mumblecore vein of things uh, than his more recent movies. But even if you're, uh, I know that, you know, sort of independent filmmaking is not necessarily everyone's bag. Um, I think it is a very interesting character study. Um, Computer Chess, I saw it when it came out. But I didn't really know what to do with it. I think just because, like Michael, you were saying, you know, that sort of era specificity and the sort of weird um, humor to it, I I didn't really know how to respond to. Um, And I've been meaning to revisit it because I really liked results a lot, which feels like it should be a way more beloved movie than it is or should have, you know, a higher profile. Just because I feel like so many people are sort of, you know, mourning the... uh, route of of romantic comedies and that's like one of the best romantic comedies i think of at least the you know past five years it was kind of fascinating i was reading a interview with bajowski earlier this earlier today i think it might have been with uh vadim brizov at uh film independent or sorry i, I have it open actually uh, it was Filmmaker Magazine, and at one point, uh, Vadim asked him if he knew that it had a one-and-a-half average star rating on Netflix. But I, I absolutely see where you're coming from, Nathan, but it is I, – I think that weird, like, working somewhat in the framework of traditional, you know, uh, genre stuff, it, but also tilting it a little bit is something that people right. don't know what to do with, but what makes this – you know, uh, um, worthy of conversation more so than, you know, even your average pretty good rom-com. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's see what we thought of Support the Girls. Nathan Smith, let's start with you. I was really blown away by it. I mean, I, I had known that he was working on this movie and was intrigued by the premise. And I was a little unsure of, I mean, you know, I, I results is a very similar i mean it's a different movie but it's it's a similar sort of study of a very specific environment you know this sort of fitness wellness culture in austin so it's also a very specific movie about a very certain kind of place and a certain kind of business and and management but i was not really sure you know this movie how exactly he would pull it off um but i think it's a really um like we've been saying like 
Bujowski's other movies, just like this very detailed movie sort of takes the place at face value. Um, I mean, I think it's a movie that in somebody else's hands could be like very crude or, or gimmicky or insincere. Um, but it's not really those things at all, even though it is funny, um, and, and playful, it's, it's, a, takes its character seriously. Um, and, and is ultimately very smart, but really sweet and, and endearing at the same time. Um, I, I think it's one of the best movies of the year. All right. Michael Snydell. I, I don't think I'm quite as positive, but I, I like this a lot for a number of reasons that uh, Nathan just mentioned. I mean, I think, you know, it's it's kind of weird because in a way I'm almost too worried that I'm analyzing this movie too much because I think it has such interesting things to say mm-hmm. about uh, corporatization and, um, you know, emotional labor and you know, like the, the kind of turn it takes even in the last 20 to 25 minutes, which is darker and more subversive without, without really giving any idea of where it goes. Like it, um, it kind of, uh, makes its political realities more clear. And Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't mean political in terms of like, wokeness or like this is a moment a movie of the moment or anything like that but rather a sense of uh just a sense of humanism and uh generosity that comes through um I, i i think that there are a few times that the ways this combines this is such a, an odd hybrid of like very independent modes and mainstream modes. There mm-hmm. are a few moments that don't totally work for me, but, but also I think that the strangest thing is like in a single scene, it can be like, Oh, you know, that is someone who is not previously an actor and I can tell, but you're getting something very specific from them. You know, even if a certain line you know, doesn't quite hit the right way. It does. I, I'm being very vague here because some of these are very specific emotional moments. And yeah, I just think uh, this ensemble was very good. It's it's warm and uh, smart and funny and bittersweet. But but it's just it's just also a weird reminder that in so many movies these days that so many, uh, so many supporting characters are props for like some larger arc of growth or anything. And just feeling that all of these characters are organic and like going into something much larger Mm -hmm. (laughs) to go into a certain line of the film um, is uh, really refreshing and mostly really works for me. So even if some things don't totally mesh for me uh, towards the end i i find even those weird uh bumps or hitches like really charming so yeah i'm uh, i'm definitely positive on this one but i can also see how this is not necessarily going to be universally beloved all right bill graham sure you know i didn't do a lot of research on this film before i watched it i uh I basically heard someone talk about it on Twitter or read someone talk about it on Twitter. And that was good enough for me. Anytime a a film gets a strong recommendation, like 
and then it pops up on our radar, I'm like, okay, let's like let's just do it. I I like going into those kind of films kind of blind. So I didn't realize this was a mumblecore film until I was about 10, 15 minutes into it, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? And oh yeah, <laughs> so. I I haven't watched one of these in a while, I guess. Um, you know, who's who's the guy that's on uh, Netflix right now uh, working Swanberg. with uh, Jake, Yeah, Jake Johnson. Easy. Um, yeah. So, you know, like his stuff has started to get a little bit more, I'm, I guess, a little bit more scripted and like a little less playful. And part of that is simply because he's relying so heavily on actors that he's used so often that they're kind of in this mode of just being able to, to make it feel more natural than, than otherwise would. And so you get a lot of kind of mixed things with this film. Um, some people really shine in this. Uh, Haley Lou Richardson in particular. Uh, Regina Hall is really good in this film throughout. Um, both of them really kind of shine. But there's a lot of other awkward moments. And like Michael was mentioning, there's a lot of moments where you kind of quickly move from, um, you know, some handheld kind of stuff to like, full on like it looks like a like an actual production you know um and sometimes it doesn't feel like that sometimes it feels like they're very much just kind of shooting on location and didn't didn't give much heads up to anyone in that area um so it's it's interesting in that way this film is kind of trying to explore is something that we don't see very often and i think that's sad but you know we all all four of us have kind of day jobs in that like we work around a lot of these people and so you know we see this reality even if we don't see it on the screen very often so it's refreshing to see that um yeah i mean this is definitely mixed it's not going to be for everybody and you know just remember that this is a mumblecore film so you know uh if you're caught off guard by some people's awkwardness that's definitely on purpose yeah i um i really enjoyed this film i don't know that i enjoyed it as much as results possibly because as stated results has sort of a weird rom-com structure to it that at least like let like let me orient myself within it but at the same time i mean this movie kind of it fills a niche that i don't think i really realized that i needed which is sort of like stories of the working class that aren't like coal miners and and shit like stories of like or isn't misery porn (laughs) yeah exactly it's like it's hard it's but you know i have lived that life i'm you know even though i'm working like a, a white collar office job, I'm still like living that life of like financial insecurity and personal problems and like everything leaking into everything else. And I think that this movie is a great illustration of, of a platitude that I feel like it's thrown around a lot, but doesn't really ever like, like no one really understands it until they've lived it. And that's the whole concept of like, you don't leave a job, you leave a manager mm-hmm. and I think that, I don't know, there's something about like seeing a movie like this that's like about a bunch of people in a lot of varied situations, but like forming not like a a community, the NBC show style like family, but like a loose collective that kind of like support each other and understand each other and are like 
decent and nice to each other. That's just, I don't know. It. I, I was watching it and there were like moments of like very small human interaction where I was just like, oh, like I really needed this. And I didn't even realize that I needed it because I just hadn't realized how long it had been since I've seen something like this. Like the other thing I've been watching this weekend is the second season of Ozark on Netflix, <laughs> a show that I love, but a show in which never like there is never a scene that happens where people are happier when it ends than when it began and like (laughs) no one's ever decent or kind or upfront with each other and if they are it's probably because they're about to die it is like (laughs) lurid pulp and i love it but like it's nice to go from that to like dipping into this and seeing it and just being like oh this is great like i love these people i love how they love each other and i love like what's going on i feel like towards the end it becomes a little too blunt or obvious with what it's trying to say but by that point i was so like on the side of these characters and i felt like i knew so many of them and i just was enjoying everything about them that i was like yeah all right fine i don't care (laughs) and some of the absurdest stuff in there gave me some of like the biggest laughs that i'd had in a while too I don't, I guess I'll save it for spoilers. I don't want to like ruin anything for anyone, but there's some like random ass shit that happens in this movie mm-hmm. that I was like alone in my living room. And I was just like, ha ha ha, yes. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. And I'd like turn to the dogs and they would stare at me. <laughs> I was just like, God damn it. <laughs> Wait, did you say that's so funny? Because I can see why the dogs would stare at you if you were. Yes, that you is said true. that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, Brian, I think I think you nailed it with uh, the the whole atmosphere of this film is kind of that idea that you don't leave a job, you definitely leave a manager because, you know, it's it's very easy to get stuck in a job like this where you feel like you're needed and it's not like needed on a professional level it's needed on like a personal level where it's just like yeah i'm holding this place together you know and it's like if i left this place would fall apart and yeah. part of that is is ego i i you know I, I think it's safe to kind of say that but part of that is like a reality of like okay if i leave like who the fuck is going to take care of all of these people like it's it's really strange and i i think i think the way you said that is just is beautiful and perfect because i definitely agree like this film does a great job of setting up regina hall's character in that way of just being like hey look like you you know the whole reason that you're employed is because of me and you know it's it's funny because she does such a good job of of like really feeling that and really living that in the movie. I think just yeah. as just as much that uh, another thing we can talk about briefly before getting into spoilers is just the idea that you know this group of people at least you know at least half of them that we meet it's literally their first day. Like I, that's not a spoiler to say that's in the mm-hmm. opening minutes and I think that the the very fact that like we do spend less time with some people we do see regina hall and Haley lou richardson's character as you know they are the people who've been there a while and they have two very different ways of like uh suggesting how the newbies like do things but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean they're at odds like the very sense 
that this movie recognizes that different personalities can work together without it needing to be a thing of competition or, you know, like bad, like employee of the month style antics. The very sense that these people are not only, you know, speaking of community as a family who kind of hates each other by the second or third season, these are people who recognize the needs of each other, less so in terms of obligation or in terms of, I really want to help these people, but a, like a, a unit and a, and a system that we, we don't see. And one that's not based on, uh, antagonism i guess i'm i'm repeating myself a little bit but i just uh <laughs> just wanted to clarify that or not clarify but uh state that a little bit and something that again feels very unique besides for the fact that we're watching people work for a good portion of this film and i think part of it too is we don't really see that experience of you're working a job and you start to become you know you become friends with people who you wouldn't maybe otherwise know or or have any occasion to be around um and you start to mistake you know the the job i think maybe for a good job just because you have that sense of community whereas the job itself is still not really great you know the customers are sometimes disrespectful and there are a lot of things that could be changed and improved and the owner sucks Um, but you're sort of stuck there because it's like you know, maybe you could find some abstract, abstractly better job, but you may not have that same support system and community. So I think it's cool to see that sort of experience that is familiar to most people who have worked, um, where you're just in this limbo and you're sort of all on the life raft together. That's just not rare. That's just, you know, not not that common in uh, in most just- American films, you know. So two two of my yeah two of my best friends in Texas are people that I worked like a shitty mm-hmm. a shitty a shitty job at at a restaurant and it was just like the hellfire forged a bond between us that like ten years hasn't been able to break and really like it it's it still strikes me as like one of my favorite jobs even though like at the time I was like just yeah. sleeping three hours a night I smelled <laughs> like fried seafood all the time. And like, I was miserable, but just the concept of like being around them and like having met them there, everything just like makes it a lot easier and better. And it's not like something like waiting, which is just like very clearly like a constructed shitty comedy. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this felt like very authentic and real and sometimes awkward and like sometimes joyous, but like oftentimes like a lot of the things that you're seeing are just like mundane. And a lot of movies are afraid of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I love an interaction in particular, which is kind of another, another another form of those relationships that you make at work is someone who you get along with and you spend a lot of time with, but you're not like friends with. Like there are two characters at one point who are like, oh, maybe now we can finally go for that drink together. <laughs> As in this idea that they spend like 40 to 50 hours a week together, but they're never just like, talking about their daily life like it's not something like speaking specifically of what you're saying about that construction brand like that idea of the mundane and that like reality again is something Mm -hmm. that is just all over this movie it might be better to get into some of that stuff in spoilers though (laughs) because we're again speaking very vaguely (laughs) 
that's the weird part about this is this movie like it doesn't have like a twist ending but at the same time i'm like i don't want to talk about like there's so many just like nice little moments (laughs) that i feel like i don't want to ruin for people and thus i'm like well i don't want to talk about that because it's spoilers i'm curious if anyone has anything else to add you know previous to going into spoilers that uh that we can get through before we do that just a, a bit player who keeps showing up in things, and I'm I'm just happy when he's there. Like he showed up in certain women. Was he was he the the owner the cubby? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I loved him in Justified. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just like we, talk, we always end up talking about Justified, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's a good show, and everyone's been in it. So I mean. <laughs> There have been a lot of people in that fucking show. I think I think that's part of the thing that happens when you run what seven seasons or something like that, and you're like eighteen episode seasons. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, they also <laughs> have I brought it up before on this show that like Justified like just took everyone from Band of Brothers mm. and was like, all right, so you you can you're you're probably British, but you can do like a Southern fried accent, right? And then so like. <laughs> Watching Justified is just like, oh hey, it's Garnier. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, he was he was great in Justified, and he showed up in this, and I was just like, you know what? Yeah, that feels right. <laughs> <laughs> Same with uh, as far as like those smaller roles, Leia Delaria, who I uh, who I knew from Orange Is the New Black, which is a show I have very mixed feelings, but someone who I always uh, she's a performer I I think brought a lot to the character of Bobo. And then, um, yeah, just the supporting players here, even if they're even in one or two scenes, I I feel like they make an impact in a way that you just don't see. And I think that's because Bajelski gives them the opportunity. Um, And even that is rare these days, which is a, is a weird thing to say. Yeah. I don't think we have anything else to say. Nathan, any final I, thoughts? Not without <laughs> getting into real specifics. Yeah. I don't think generally right. I have. Other I'm glad that we all agree. I felt crazy for a second. No, I think, I think that's just the nature of the mumblecore kind of film is that like, you know, and we kind of already touched on this, but there's, there's not a lot of crazy, there's not a lot of big plot stuff that happens. There's like a lot of little stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's no point where the, a bigger shark eats the dead big shark from the, (laughs) from the boat. You know, it is what it is. So yeah, I, I think, I think this film is less about like the big, overall plot details and more about the little moments and you know if you can if you can get that far um so i mean even going back further than uh mumblecore i was reminded a little bit of i mean totally different movie but something like killer of sheep just because the things that happen in that movie are such you know know, it's like uh, like an engine falls off the back of a truck or a character gets a flat tire and that ruins the day and so and it, so it's more about this just general sort of sense of malaise um and i think this movie is similarly like has a lot of sweetness to to pierce through that but it's generally about this sort of just you know everybody in the movie is anxious and even if we don't know that much about their characters it's clear that everybody's dealing with their own shit and has some sort of stress in their life or something that can't be resolved um that's Weighs, weighs you down a little bit. 
Well put. All right. So let's get into spoilers for support the girls. They were dead the entire time. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I am. Um, it's the, the, I feel like her, her whole like getting fired thing was kind of like, it felt almost exactly like how that sort of thing would go at like a smaller place like this. Cause like in corporate world, it's 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 so it's it's like such bureaucracy to get fired. I swear to God, it's insane. And so here, it's kind of funny that this is clearly like a conversation they've had before, and he just like inherently knows that like no one's gonna work as hard as her, but like he doesn't want her there. Mm-hmm. And I I just it it felt like it was so weird because like he says like you know my dad used to say the the first time you think about firing someone is the time to do it, mm-hmm. and. And I was like, oh, man, is she about to lose her job? And then she responds like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, we've been through this before. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and, yeah. um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, like, it, it's so weird because, like, at the end of the day, I, like, I wonder, like, how to even really discuss this movie as, like, a movie. Like, I usually try to talk about films on this assuming that people haven't seen them. And I just feel like anyone hearing this right now who hasn't seen this movie mm-hmm. is is not going to know what the shit is going on because so many of the things that happen are like a culmination of all these little character things and so like her getting fired feels like it should be the end of the movie but it's really like the two-thirds mark and so much happens after that that is still at the place that kind of lets you know what a linchpin she was and like again, I've been in situations like that where it's like, well, one person is gone, so uh, yeah, fuck this place. Like, mm-hmm. it's not important. Like, this job is interchangeable. The only thing that wasn't interchangeable was my manager, who I liked. Now she's gone, so fuck it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, you know, I, I think it's funny that you're even saying that uh, she was fired because for me, it feels more like she quits, and I feel like that's definitely what's what's kind of going through her head because she definitely has a moment where she's basically like, "All right, fuck it, I'm out of here," <laughs> and and you're just like. Oh, so you are just going to like, you know, I think if she had showed up to work the next day, he would have been like, all right, cool. <laughs> yeah. Part of me wonders if he like, if he, if he really believed she was gone. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think, I think definitely that's one of those moments where you're, you're just kind of left to make a decision on how you feel like that's going to happen, you know, going to go down because definitely there were no official papers or anything like that. Um, you know, and even like when she left, um, you know, it's just like, she just (laughs) leaves and it's just like, wait, (laughs) isn't there like some kind of protocol at some point? And it's just like, nah, especially because her last act walking out is to ask a, uh, a table, like if they're, if everything's good and if they can do anything to improve their time. Yeah. It's like, it's so it's, it's you know, in that habit. (laughs) Oh, I think, I think it's just, she's just trying to watch over them as, as she's about to leave. Like she's just trying to check and just, yeah, maybe it, it she is. She just wants to make sure that like the wolves are well fed yeah. before she leaves her babes to them. Yeah. It's like, well, I've done all I can. Yeah. And then, and then her moment in in her house with what was the name of that the 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 girl who was there who ran over her boyfriend? Yeah, Jesus, like what a fucking nightmare of like a personnel like decision there. Like, oh hey, like this is a good kid, like just in a bad spot. And then it's just like continuously fucks up and you're just like, 
now you're you're kind of a grown ass adult by now. Like, you know, that that woman is obviously, you know, 22, 23 at this point. And it's just like at some point you you opted not to go to college. And it's like, okay, so you are a grown up now. And you need to start making better decisions. And, you know, I think it's interesting that that she calls her out on it. She's like, I'm not here for you to make relationship like decision. Like, okay, but at the same time, your relationships directly affect your work ability. So, you know, that's well, what's funny is that at that point, she's no longer working there. So she really does kind of take that decision on like a personal level. Mm -hmm. She's just like, you know what? I'm not your fucking boss anymore. So I'm going to just talk to you like a friend or a mom. Yeah. Just be like, yeah, give me the fucking money back. I'm not supporting this. But I think what's even I can't quite put my finger on exactly what it is about the way that scene's written, but there's nothing that feels false about that because we have seen those conversations about, you know, like as Bill was alluding to, you know, this idea of, you know, of of her you know, uh, that this would be where she ends up or she's ending up with this shit heel boyfriend or something. You know, we've seen plenty of movies that have made that conversation into a, you know, a large confrontation. And Pachowski certainly like lets that scene play out, but it plays out in such a gentle way, you know, until, you know, at least that, you know, almost has this, you know, um, well, until the this, boyfriend comes this, out and, or, sure. uh, uh, is he coming out or it, does he arrive? I can't remember. No, he, he comes, he comes out. out of the yeah, room. He comes there. out and yeah. you're just yeah. like, as soon as he arrives, you can just see her face just drop and the whole entire sure. mood of that entire apartment just well, like they completely have this changes. Illegal car wash <laughs> to raise money for her lawyer. Yep. And now she's back with this fucking dirt bag who apparently is like, they're, their main connection is like heroin or something. I don't know. Um, Nathan, let's hear from you. What are some stuff that yeah, you'd wanted to talk about, but we didn't feel like we could before we were in spoilers. I think that the way that the uh, conflict unfolds in this movie is, is interesting and, and strange in that it has all of these sort of beats like the confrontation that we're just talking about. Um, but even everything that happens, um, in the restaurant, um, after she's fired or quits or, or, uh, you know, leaves, um, where it's just, everything unfolds. So almost like much more casually than I feel like most any other filmmaker would play them. Um, where it is this sort of disaster, but, uh, it's not played like incredibly dramatically. I don't know if any, if if any of you had any thoughts on, uh, how that sort of unraveling happens in the restaurant. Um, talk about the, the day that she kind of leaves or yeah. Yeah. After, after Lisa leaves, like, like the, I was about yeah, to say yeah, the yeah, fight yeah. night mm. disaster. Yeah, I was I was going to bring this up because I, I I did. This is a scene that where I feel like the movie kind of intentionally derails and is shot in such a. I, I mean, I think it's probably what you're saying, Nathan, is that that very casual, you know, uh, 
an, an almost a disinterest in the actual like conflict yeah. uh because it focuses so completely on the women you know especially as um as uh i'm sorry uh shana McHale's uh, character danielle gets up on the bar and Haley lou richardson's character just the way that it's so unusual the way that it focuses so completely um, I, on the women. And and that's a scene that's uh, among the most bizarre and interesting I've seen all year for reasons that, again, I can't quite place my finger on why it feels so strange. It has this weird sense of tension mm-hmm. to it. But, but like, like horror. <laughs> what, what is the worst that could happen? Like, that was... That was kind of my thing is like there is like this mounting like, you know, because they don't even have like a full house because I, I don't know if that's like what it's usually like or if it's just because people knew that the, the the cable was busted. But like there's not that many people. <laughs> no one seems to be like in danger. Like the worst that could happen is that these people leave and then they, they don't get paid well that night. But like every escalating thing, I was just like, oh, crap, the bomb is going to go off. But there's no bomb. It's like maybe like a balloon will pop. It's just the weirdest thing. And like, that is like, there was more tension in the scene mm-hmm. with the biker mm-hmm. guy in terms of like a, co- a possible present threat. <laughs> but for some reason, just watching that little society, like fall apart without its like heart and soul leader there. And I mean, she wasn't even going to, she wasn't even really going to be sure. there. Like she was off her shift was done, but just the knowledge that she wasn't coming back was enough to like destroy it. I kind of love that this movie doesn't give a shit about what the customers think <laughs> about any given thing. Like it only cares about each interaction in terms of how it affects the women and how, you know, the not just the microaggressions they deal with, but like literally the very, you know, complex ways they need to perform their femininity. I mean, you even speak to that. There's a there's a great part where uh, Jay, the, the person from the sound system store, you know, um, after, after Jay is there and he's just drinking and then there is a woman who they have to fire because she got a tattoo <laughs> of Steph Curry. <laughs> what an asinine. Uh, what a weird. <laughs> Was I the only one who when I saw that, like I lost my shit? No, I I laughed so hard because I didn't I didn't recognize the face at first, and then the more it's I a bad looked tattoo, at it, too. Let's be no, honest. it's it's actually a really good like portrait of Steph Curry. Like I definitely recognized him. I was like, holy shit! Like that looks like they just like fucking I don't know. Uh, projected a photo of him on her and then just like drew over it and then stenciled that in a tattoo. Like what I really, what I really like about that moment is how Regina Hall is like, why in the world would you get this tattoo? And her response (laughs) is just like, kind of like, why wouldn't you get a Steph Curry tattoo? Like I work in a sports bar, you know? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. But that's, so I was almost confused because I was like, some of these people have tattoos. Like, is it just that like, it's it sucks it and is. it's not healed yet. And like, or is it, yeah, is it the placement? Or it, like, I don't, cause it's just, I was so floored by the dumbness of the idea of getting a tattoo of Steph Curry's face on you. And then she's like, and my mom is like such a bigger fan than I am. Even she's really going to freak out. And I'm like, why? 
Yeah, she she I... mentioned she's like not even a big Steph Curry fan. <laughs> You're just like, but you got him tattooed on you. Like, you know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's so weird. Even that conversation has that lovely bit where, um, you know, uh, Regina Hall's character is like, "How? What percentage of your jokes are funny?" And he's like, fifty percent." And she's like, "You're gonna have to do way better." Like this <laughs> idea that off the clock, like you're seeing even though they're still in this even though she's still in this space where she's had to play this character for lack of a better word like a real the real person is coming out and like i i think it's so interesting the way it's a playing with that space you think about her in the back room uh or regina hall's character in the back room where she kind of loses it or where she goes out the back door and you know has this zen moment with birds and <laughs> Someone comes with the confetti gun, which sounds well. She has terrifying. her Zen moment with the birds, and then she flips the birds <laughs> off. She flips the birds, the bird, and then Haley Lou Richardson, probably the only actress in Hollywood who could actually get away with doing this, just comes out with a confetti cannon, <laughs> fires it off, and says, "You're the best, and we love you." And then just leaves again. Yeah, completely freaks her out. Like. <laughs> Yeah, as anyone would get freaked out by a loud noise coming behind them. Yeah, we can't even get they're... a confetti cannon. <laughs> I don't know. They had another one later, so maybe it's like a birthday that's, thing. That's yeah, true. that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I don't know. That would terrify me if I was in a restaurant and someone used a confetti cannon while I was eat, eating a eating a meal. <laughs> maybe it's like at the end of a birthday song, so like everyone already knows that there's. Like something happening? I don't know. I can't. I can't give you any answers, Michael. <laughs> but it's clearly there. I think one of my favorite things is seeing Cubby driving with Regina Hall and watching that whole interaction happen on the highway, where he flips out on this person, and like she is not having any part of his kind of like male egotism at that moment. And he walks out there like he's really going to do something and just gets like punched in the balls real quick. And then like the guy is just like, once you catch your breath, get off my property and just like walks inside of his house. And I just wanted him to like, look at his neighbor and go, Hey Frank, you know, I want to spend the rest of the movie with that guy and just see what the rest of his day is like. Oh, no. <laughs> that would be one of those movies where it just shifts perspective for a while. <laughs> uh, like, what a what a fucking, like, moment there because you really expect something, like, big and crazy to happen. Mm-hmm. And again, the film just, like, plays with that perspective. But the funny thing is, is that, like, Regina Hall's character doesn't know whether that would have turned into some big ordeal or not. And so her reaction to it, us as an audience is just, (laughs) that's hilarious. Her as someone that has to work with this guy down the line is just like, fuck this. I cannot be here for this. Like, (laughs) like I'm not going to get, and he's like, get back in the car. I'll take you back. And she's just like, fuck that. Like, look what just happened. Like we were supposed to talk about the job and you ended up like trying to stalk down this person and get punched in the balls. Like I'm not coming with you anymore. You are an absolute fucking loose cannon. So, well that's, that's sort of goes to one of the things that I really like about, um, the movie. And is that 
you know, I think it's it's you know we've been talking about the sort of rarity of of life and experience that this movie depicts um, in relation to most other American films. Um, but I, I can't recall at least a lot of movies uh, or, or television, even maybe a little bit more television, just since there's so much workplace centered uh, television. Um, but, you know, the, the sort of strange experience of being a manager and like you have a certain amount of power and authority over your your the employees that you oversee and you're supposed to enforce the, the rules and lay down the law and deal with discipline and, and personnel issues. But you don't have like the ultimate say so at the end of the day, you still have to answer somebody else. You can still get bossed around mm-hmm. um, and, and mistreated. And so it's it's interesting seeing like that interaction with Cubby coming right after everything we've seen from Lisa before where she's training people and she's handling issues. And then very quickly, it's just like, you know, the environment just changes on a dime and she has like very little uh, authority beyond Cubby's own and capability. You know, um, she, she's just immediately sort of like reminded of, of her position. Um, yeah, I think I think that's an interesting moment because, yeah, she definitely doesn't have the ability to be like, you know what, Cubby, you're fired because you yeah. pulled some bullshit like she can't she she's got no upper hand in that moment. And even, you know, getting in the car with him is just it's getting in the car with anybody is such a power <laughs> dynamic. If yeah, you're yeah. Not, <laughs> if, if, if yeah. you're not like familiar with this person, right? Like. You know, um, I actually this drive. Is why a, Bill never lets anyone drive him anywhere. <laughs> it's it's funny because like I start I start to realize like I drive a lot of my friends around, and like some of them don't have cars, or sometimes I just pick them up, or you know wh- whatever it may be. And I realize how awkward of an interaction I'm putting these people in, where it's just like, yeah, I don't know who this person is all that well or how they drive right like road rage is Mm -hmm. is a very real thing where you may not realize someone has road rage until you get in the car with them and then you're just like holy shit you are a normal person when you are outside of your car but you (laughs) you get in you know inside this glass cage this this metal cage and all of a sudden you turn into a nightmare so you know it's it's a good uh definitely do that on a date y'all like definitely like experience (laughs) that because yeah you'll learn learn are you you telling people on dates to drive more aggressively no i'm telling people to (laughs) as a power move (laughs) no i'm telling people to switch it up and be driven by your date (laughs) and so you can get a real sense of how they are because you know like when someone's driving their soul truly comes through yes exactly yeah it's it's one of those it's one of those things where you get to see like how they treat people beneath them and you know treat a dog or whatever like the wait staff things like that right like those cliches yeah yeah get in see how they drive yeah get in a car with somebody and just see how that goes and just see if you you can survive that interaction just talking about that whole scene with them on the road um i definitely that was the point where i like had to pause the movie and like see where it was filmed because I swore that it was just outside of Houston in the southern yeah. suburbs where I'm from, but it was not. It's apparently bo- it was a uh, born. It was apparently shot in Austin. Oh, I guess the entirety of Texas. It's like his fourth I, film. 
shot in Austin, I believe. Yeah, I was wonder. I, I assumed Houston too, just because like the the I mean the freeways, of course. And then uh, Bobo's has this like sort of Louisiana um, coastal yeah. accent. Uh, and so I, I just assumed like, oh, it must be, you know, Houston or, or at least kind of coastal area. But surprised to find out it's not. Yeah. And like the apartment complexes and just like the oh, everything yeah. being off of the giant highways and then like that suburb where he gets punched. So apparently all of Texas looks like that, yeah. which is just like fun to learn. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, my girlfriend who actually went to college in Austin, but uh, grew up in the Dallas area. She was like, was this filmed in Dallas? And I was just like, no, I think it's Austin. And she was like, oh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's definitely it, there's there's a lot of of like little things like that where I guess the text dot or whatever, whoever just decides <laughs> all that shit decided to like do it similarly, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, DC, like there's so many like valleys and hills that like you can build an overpass that like doesn't require anything. Like it's just the, the land rose. And so we decided to put it here cause there's clearance beneath it for the highway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in Texas, it seems like they were like, so everything's flat. We're just gonna just gonna build giant, massive, fucking insane to look at overpass systems. Yeah, it's it's one of the weird geography things of Texas is like people are here are so proud of like the size of the state, but yeah, we literally have no mountains and like we are not a <laughs> yeah. hilly state. Like it's it's not known for its rolling hills or anything like that, even though we have a lot of fucking state to for that to actually happen. It's just like this rare kind of section of the US where it's just like yeah, yeah, no, you're you're just gonna be flat. <laughs> yeah, and Maryland, meanwhile, is like the entirety of every possible biome in the United States shoved together <laughs> in something that looks like a crab's claw. It's insanity. <laughs> I, I, think, I think what you guys are all said. I'm I'm sorry, Nathan. Go ahead. Oh no, no, it's totally okay. Uh, uh, you can go uh, ahead. I was just gonna say that. No, uh, I'm making a call. I'm gonna say Nathan. <laughs> Damn. Okay, okay, Nathan, go ahead. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I, I I think. All right, Cubby. Would- both talking about you know overpasses and and the interiors of cars uh i think like 99 percent of this movie takes place in these sort of environments that are are not really the forefront of a lot of films and even if they are it's sort of not you're you're not really made aware of the space but i think here there's this sort of weird static energy you know where you're like in this restaurant you know sports bar that is a local place but also you can tell it sort of like wants to feel like a chain so maybe someday it could become a franchise you know there you're Mm -hmm. you're you're on the highway you're in the suburbs and these like beige houses or uh you know there's that that scene where they go to the like jamba juice equivalent um (laughs) And and there's just this sort of like, especially in the that Jamba Juice where you have the like, you know super bright walls and interior, but everything is just like too um, sanitized and like too bright, and it just feels very strange. And so you feel this sort of like, and I think it sort of almost in some sense connects to the the sort of mumblecore-ish 
um, dynamic of the the interactions and the relationships where everything is just a little bit in between and a little bit static and you're just kind of hanging there like not totally sure where you are um, you know because I don't know like 90% of the spaces I feel like we spend our time in are very weird um, clean corporate are you talking about like us in life yeah, or just, in this movie no, I mean okay. in the movie but just like generally in life in the, you know in the United States um, you know we spend so much of our time in like places I don't know like Starbucks you know or like a supermarket where it's just like you're not really supposed to think about the space like in kinds of spaces. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't go to Hooters lights very yeah. often. So, <laughs> you know, it is, it is what it is. It, it's funny. Then like, you know, like, a, I don't know, you know uh, a, a place like Chili's or whatever, you know, they sure, can, they're sure. like, Oh, you know, this is a sort of mainstream place. It's like, it still has sure. that sort of like feel. Well, all those places, they have that weird, like, what is it? Applebee's was like eating good in the neighborhood. And it's like, yeah, you're not a neighborhood right. fixture. <laughs> like you're not like TGI Fridays. You're not like the local bar that people go to. But then weirdly enough, like I go to visit my cousins in New Jersey mm-hmm. and like people are like, yeah, we're going to go to the Applebee's. And I'm like, why do you seem excited about that? Yeah. Like what is, is there? Is, is this place like ironically called Applebee's, but it's not really. And it's like, no, they're literally talking about going to Applebee's to have drinks. Yeah. I was just like, Oh my fucking God. What? (laughs) I think that I think, um, I I mean, I think you guys are saying this as well. And and Nathan was absolutely going down where I was uh, going. Cause I, I, just to add on to what you're all saying is like, it really speaks to the soul of this film that not only is it, uh, you know, those freeway shots are bookends for the movie. Like they're, they're literally (laughs) the the beginning and the end. And you know, the way that they're shot again is Nathan. uh, And actually everybody's been saying is that like, you know, there's an impersonality to it, but it's also the people who are there. Like when you're talking about this specific double whammies, like you even think about the way that they talk about the foosball table and uh, how it's replaced with an even an extremely nondescript uh, kind of balloon uh, football player, not balloon. Um, sorry. Uh, blow up. Uh, blow up football player. Inflatable. Yeah. <laughs> Inflatable. Thank you. But like just the way that it, it, it speaks to that specificity is, it's really fascinating. And I think, you know, I, Mumblecore is not, it is certainly not my favorite genre, but I, I think especially watching this and, with a few different people and, you know, especially sometimes watching Swanberg, I am from, I am from, or I live in Chicago. I've been here for six years now and I recognize some places like it's, there's Lakeview areas, there's Logan square areas. Like there are places I recognize and just being able to see a filmmaker who is taking advantage of space as more than, you know, someone taking advantage of New York is it's kind of weird how much like uh, how much we needed that. And I, I felt this mm. similarly, like leave no trace. Like when you can th- think of the way that uh, showed the Pacific Northwest, not only in terms of nature, but in terms of how nature was literally adjacent to society and how those things continually intersect. Um, so I, I think that is one thing that like 
above all else about support the girls, what makes it so interesting to me is that like its soul is about this weird dialectic between um, impersonality and not being taken or excuse me, uh, not being um, given what you deserve. And also um, this being the best you can you can get, and I know that's a very negative reading uh, of the end of the film. And I I don't want to say that the end of the film is meant to entirely encapsulate uh, the film with its very abrupt ending, which I I know we haven't talked about yet, but um, I just, I I feel like that freeway. And and I think Nathan, you got, you talked about this quite a bit in your review, actually Mm -hmm. Uh, is just, how much this film is defined um, by by the spaces. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know quite where I wanted to transition into <laughs> this, but I, I am curious a little <laughs> bit if we could, t- you know, Brian, you talked a little bit how you thought this was, how you thought the third act got into more blunt territory. I, I'm guessing you're talking about, the man cave audition and the final scene. Is that about the point? Where I mean, you yeah, you, just really everything after the fade to black when she's just sadly eating soup alone. Was, I, <clears throat> I'd like to was pause probably what I was talking about. Did, did anyone have any thoughts about the fact this is a really nerdy, weird question, but I've been thinking way too much about the fact that there are like three fade to blacks in this movie and they're right in the last 30 minutes. I just wondered if anyone had any thoughts about that in general or just for this movie or no, I I meant in terms of uh, this movie, I mean, a fade to black is just like, as far as a camera technique, it's something that these days is so readily used for, to draw attention to itself. Like it's, it's, you know, not only out of vogue, but it's, um, yeah, it, I feel like they used it a lot in Prisoners. Is that am I wrong about that? Does anyone remember Prisoners well enough to let me know? I'm completely no. unsure. <laughs> okay, great. No, I um, I mean, I don't know. I you know, you fade to black and it feels like closing of a chapter, and then something else happens, and you're like, okay, yeah. I, I don't know. I, th- I, th- I don't know what you want from me, Mike. I, I think Mike is right, though. Like it, it does. It, it is something that has gotten so out of vogue now that it definitely kind of calls attention to itself. Because I didn't notice it until towards the end of the film when they started doing it. I guess, um, or you know, I guess maybe the film had kind of started to run out of momentum, and so I started noticing those kind of screen transitions but yeah i definitely noticed like towards the end that they started to do some fade to blacks and i don't know what that was about i think i think it might have just been just the editor just kind of just well everything else throwing their hands up and just be like i don't know what the fuck you want man (laughs) everything else takes place so concurrently and then they're fading to black here Mm -hmm. it seems like a little bit more of a like a hard cut Mm -hmm. like everything has been so breathless and now it's like, okay, inhale, and here's the next thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that Man Cave audition, I mean, first of all, Man Cave. Um, <laughs> I love that commercial they made for that place. It's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, it feels like like a Buffalo Wild Wings commercial, but yep. like appealing to even baser instincts than Buffalo Wild Wings appeals to. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know. I found I found it kind of weird because like she's in there. She, you know, is getting the runaround from Brooklyn Decker apparently. Um, and um, I don't know. Like, I I found it interesting. But again, a little bit blunt that like she's the only woman who is there who is applying for like a managerial position because mm-hmm. like you see this like line of, of you know, buxom 20 somethings going getting called in like four at a time for their auditions. And then you see her and then they call like one person and it's, you know, she goes in as a guy is coming out and then she leaves as another guy is brought in. And so I found and then, you know again that like makes sense but i just it it felt kind of weird to like take what was a very unstructured kind of naturalistic thing and then suddenly zero it down into like this super corporate audition process Mm -hmm. it felt like you know now there's a little more opportunity for exposition i guess it it, to me it feels like you know we we've been in this totally different environment um where even if double whammies isn't like the greatest place in the world to work and still has a certain kind of intimacy to it and a certain like, you know, um, the buck stops here sort of like, uh, this is it, you know, Lisa and her employees, their relationships are, you know, it's, it's like easier for the, the relationships between a manager and the employees and, and, um, everything that's going on in everyone's lives to be like a greater focus of the workload. Whereas mm-hmm. now we're in this environment that's totally mm-hmm. regimented, structured, has this rule book, you know, has a policy in place to um, get rid of of employees quickly. But also it, there's like this very insidious undertone where she's talking about um, the like theme oh, yeah. of attorneys that they have, which... <laughs> I mean, of course, could be for any number of things, but just like the way that I took that was like, you know, I don't know, just thinking about like sexual assault and things to, you know, makes it sound like they just have this mechanism in place to shut up and get rid of any other any employees that have a problem. Uh, Right. They they, they, like the lines are very clearly drawn, but also she she talks about the employees themselves in a very dark, mean way. She says like. You know, some of these girls, like, you know, they're not brain surgeons. They're not, sure. you know, so we've tried to make, like, our guidelines as simple as possible. So it's like, and even, the like, weirdest idiot part, proof, you know, like, that. Yeah. Job. The weirdest part is that then she asks, like, if uh, Regina Hall's character had ever, like, worked as a, as a double whammies girl. And she says no. And then this woman is like, oh, you know, I was actually a man cave girl. Like, and then she says, like, class of 07 or something yeah. like that. <laughs> it's like, so you used to be one of them. And now you're talking about them like they are literally sheep. Well, I, I was honestly kind of imagined like um, a spinoff of this movie that's like that character's Sorry to Bother You, where she like is just, you know, <laughs> a, 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 this sort of like just base level employee who then gets called up and like sells out all of her coworkers and is like, you know, on the upper floor. Um, that is that is 100% what happened. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Um, <laughs> but it is a, a very weird tonal shift to go from this sort of like 90%, 90-95% of the movie is just this sort of casual, um, you know, all, all conflicts are um, understated. Nothing is really stylized to having this like very sort of precise sure. form of comedic delivery. Um, 
and then of course there's like the which amber are you yeah yeah <laughs> and um yeah i don't it, it just it was this whole thing of like you know at double whammies regina hall's character was like so involved with everyone and knew everything about them and like looked at them as individuals and this woman is like don't worry about them like you know we understand like there's a turn and burn on our our workforce and like you know sure. everything's gonna be fine and then she comes out and has to see that like two of her friends are there mm-hmm. like possibly throwing themselves into this goddamn meat grinder and then the following scene then is probably the most intentionally s- sloppy it feels like a weird word but like I, I don't mean that in a derogatory way like the roof struck me as a scene where I felt like they tried to do as few takes as possible um, in a way that the rest of the film uh, doesn't have. And, you know, I, you know, I spoke earlier about, you know, the weird line between performer and non-performer. And I think the strange thing is that I think Shannon McKaylee, who, uh, who's also known as a really good rapper, uh, jungle pussy, he plays Danielle. Um, a fun little thing actually earlier when she gets in the Hummer with her son, they're listening to her song. Um, (laughs) But uh, like she, interestingly enough in that last scene, I think shows why she gives one of the best performances of the year. And also one of the most like off performances of the year. And so that's, that's what I think um, is really interesting and, and not necessarily something I think is like, uh, you know, objectively negative or anything like that, but just rather that, uh, that, that end scene feels both at once, like too precise to feel accidental. Like they didn't know how to end this movie at all. And especially when you consider how abruptly it ends and the, the music choice they pick over the credits, which is just incredibly sad (laughs) and like desolate. Um, and also very corporate um like just the way that all of those things combine is is really strange and i I don't know brings me back a little bit to i know we've talked a lot about mumblecore but i'm not sure how much of this film i would have identified with mumblecore if i wasn't aware of the context of bajalski at least in the early going because it does um you know, it's really hard to figure out when scripts end and when improvisation improv, <laughs> begins. But um, that line feels even more tenuous here than what you'd expect with something like Swanberg, for instance, or Lynn Shelton. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think... I think this film is... I usually just, like, assume the movie ends when the guy was like, okay, I've said everything I need to say. I don't know. <laughs> um, and all right, I guess I'll keep talking for one more second. And no, the last thing, no! <laughs> last thing I want to talk about is I think the, the cook is a subplot that's handled really well and when, leads to a when, really bizarre psychotic... <laughs> when, when she... When he... When he walks in and she immediately <laughs> is like a, a Jose or whatever his name is, you're just like, holy shit, that did not work. Shake his head. <laughs> you're just like, wow. 
Oh my god. He must have been wearing the same shoes or like the same outfit he always wears, I guess. I don't know. But like she definitely recognized him right off and I just died. <laughs> uh what a what a weird thing for him to have to do as well. What what a weird yeah. we haven't even talked about the fact that the movie opens with his cousin in the, the heating duct. <laughs> yeah. Trapped. And that's why he gets, you know, allowed to quit it's the it's so fucking weird (laughs) like yeah and it's it's so strange how like weirdly little comedy is wrung from that like it's just another goddamn thing they have to deal with yeah Yeah. sure it's like oh god (laughs) cops are here the cable's ruined (laughs) like that's but like this is also the one workplace where that seems like a possibility as like bizarre as like perverse as this is to say like you could see a stalker trying to sneak into a vent at a at a place like yeah that's what i thought it was that, yeah I, yeah did you say hookers no i said hooters and i was oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> i i liked how the guy was uh the i guess it's cubby's like brother or something like that i guess he's like a co-owner or something like that and he's trying yeah. to push them on like private parties and cu- even private cubby's parties. like <laughs> yeah cubby's like yeah. no that's a liability nightmare like, like just in the simplest terms, let me just spell it out for you. That's a no. <laughs> and, and the guy's just like, okay, but like there's a good return on investment possibility. And he's just like, what, what are you talking about? Like, we're, we're not having this discussion. Like, yeah, this is simply not happening. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. What a fucking moron. <laughs> I actually now just, just thinking about it, um, the, this new like fill-in manager, whoever that guy is, mentions that the private party's idea was suggested by the new girl who stays on and is constantly trying to pitch like different marketing opportunities or oh. you know like sell herself a little more or whatever. And I feel like there's a sort of a, who, a, yeah, a, she's a the one that reveals herself at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dylan Galula. There's sort of a parallel inferred uh, between her and the the man cave. Um, corporate executive um, almost where like this is that that executive you know like 10 years yeah because she's she's like oh you can make more if you know how to work it she's like lying to the people about what the car wash is for she's like she's like laying over a car yeah and then I don't know it's it's yeah she has like this really weird kind of like I don't want to say mercenary, but she's sure. like a very aggressive, it's like stereotypical she's... millennial. <laughs> but it's weird because yeah, yeah. she's like she's even more. She has bought into like the the darkest possible view of what this restaurant is trying to do, and is just running towards it. Even as even as uh, Regina Hall's character is like, no, this is like mainstream. This is a family place. Like it's yeah, sure. Like there's a little TNA going on, but like we're not trying to be. Whatever the hell <laughs> Dylan Galula's character wants it to be. The opposite um, of the Wolf of Wall Street method. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But she's just like, no, fuck it. Like, let's just let's let's do whatever it takes to make money. Like Yeah. Sell our bodies and our dignity. I don't give a shit. I need that that cash. 
Yeah, that's very strange. Yeah, she's she's definitely a loose cannon in that in that workplace. <laughs> yes, and one day she will make a great man cave executive manager or whatever the hell that woman was. <laughs> Oof, that's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, there's a dark undercurrent to this film. Yeah. But at the end <sighs> of the day, still a very delightful picture. <laughs> I enjoyed it greatly. <laughs> It seems right, appropriate y'all. that we have a really off rhythm on this episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, like I said, like, you know, we're not like, okay, so what you, what you had to realize was that the killer was inside the closet the whole movie. And that's why, you know, Clive Owen wasn't able to find him with his psychic powers. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing dumb like that. It's just like, yeah, it's this movie about all these people. And like, just the way they look out for each other, the way that like Regina Hall interacts Mm -hmm. with um danielle's child while he's still there and like goes out of her way like when 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 she said to him something about like you know you gotta respect people and like no when they're sitting in the hummer like just the fact that like one of the girls came in and was like hey there's a guy with a really cool hummer like maybe the little boy would like to see it and then they go out and he says like you know "I, i was raised right or something it's just like really beautiful human moments that like, you know, they're not Thanos snapping his finger or something, but like they oh, have no. so much more of an impact just because like that's what the world is. And th- those are the things that like make it a better place. And like that's the hopeful outlook that you want to see in a movie every now and then. And then just as likely she's trying to make a game out of picking the shifts. <laughs> so and trying yeah. to bring him into it and he's not having it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he somehow that a giant real quick. He's like this a is giant tricked-out Hummer is cooler than trying to fill shifts. Yeah, who would have thought? I think it's a kind of movie where uh, that for me maybe um, scratches the itch that something like uh, uh, "Won't You Be My Neighbor" does for other people. Where like this is a very you know it's a very uh, pleasant pleasing you know endearing movie uh that makes you that in in some moments makes you feel better about the world because it's just nice people being nice to each other a lot of the time but at the same Mm -hmm. point uh, on the uh, the same note you know it's like not ignorant of the world and not blind to the fact that a lot of things in the world and a lot of things in most people's lives suck um so it's it's has this you know to, to it. Um, but I, you know, at the end of the day, it's like made me feel better uh, about <laughs> yeah. you know about the world. Yeah. I don't. It's kind of like I think like sort of a good metaphor for the entire movie is at the end when they're on top of the roof and Regina Hall uh, closes her eyes and says, you know, like oh, I love the sound of the freeway. You know, if you close your eyes, it sounds like the beach. And mm-hmm. I feel like this whole movie is just you know people trying to close their eyes to make the freeway sound like the beach. Um, you know, it's just people trying to like make each other feel a little bit better. Um, and sometimes that's not always, that doesn't always work out, but sometimes it does. So, and sometimes just the act of like trying. Yeah. Yeah. is good. I can't remember what terrible person did it on Twitter, but at the risk of ruining, uh, ruining this movie, someone pointed out that that scene resembles a scene in garden state, which is now very difficult for me to get away from. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. 
The difference but is it, they're not wearing trash better. bags. Yeah. And absolutely. yeah, I was about to say, like, you should you should run a film class where you just show these two movies back to back and just go, now why did the one screaming scene seem like something humans would do <laughs> while the other one is, a piece is of like the cover of a Shins album <laughs> come to life? That's even too All mean right. to the Shins. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. I feel bad for the Shins now. All right. Anyway, that's oh, that's oh all for today. Uh, go out or stay in and see Support the Girls. It is currently streaming on a number of platforms and uh, for rental. Or you can go out to your local theater if it's playing there. So check it out. It's good. We all liked it. It made us happy. <laughs> it shows decent human beings being decent to each other. All right. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. Let's close up shop. Uh, reminder, patreon.com slash the film stage show. Go there and give us your money. You can also go to movie.com slash the film stage or slash film stage for a free 30 day trial. Don't forget to check out the Johnny Toe Festival that's going on now. Every person who goes to movie and watches a Johnny Toe film helps Michael's heart grow <laughs> the tiniest bit. One day, it will be as big as the Grinch's heart at the beginning of the movie. So all you have to do, again, is go to mubi.com slash filmstage and you'll get a free 30-day trial of movie. So I'm still never talking about Mother ever again, though, so don't stop asking. <laughs> that is currently available to stream on Amazon on Prime. Or, or, yeah. Is it on Hulu? Yeah, it is, it is on, on Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah. that's crazy. Hulu has movies on it that are they good. They actually have a pretty good selection. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure like 30 to 40% of them are uh, in the wrong aspect ratio, probably more. But, <laughs> you yeah, know, probably. You get what you can. All right. <laughs> that's it for today let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we appear in their ears start with our guest nathan smith um generally you can find most of the things that i do on twitter my handle is at trillmore girls like the television show okay. gilmore okay, girls wait a second but... <laughs> can you can you go into that for a second just why would you do that i, I don't know i did it like several years ago and i'm just committed to it now and it's like too late, you know. Sometimes you just can't <laughs> change things. Uh, people know oh me God. by that by that now. So, Trillmore Girls. Uh, you, most of the things that I do or write can be found there. I also do a podcast called Cinematary that I'm not on every week, but I am on a lot of weeks. And even the weeks that I'm not on, you should check out. So, okay. Trillmore Girls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, Bill Graham. <laughs> Uh, just an update on Mother. It's definitely on Amazon, Hulu, and Epix. Yeah. Oh, there you go. If you for the three people cool. who have Epix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, keeping them alive. It's like Crackle. Crackle still exists. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at cablebfg, and you can also find me on uh, the Slack channel. Uh, still mixing it up there. We, our, our notifications are getting out of control on that thing at times. <laughs> Too many people caring about stuff. That's what I have to say. All right, Michael Snydell. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Snydell. No, no fun name here. Uh, and on uh, Letterboxd uh, at my name. And I'm going to say it here so you can hold me to it. The 8th Grade Movie Podcast will be coming. I am still... Ooh. 
just trying to schedule it. I didn't forget about it. I know there's a bunch <laughs> of people who asked. It's, it's going to happen. By the time <laughs> it finally happens, maybe the movie will be out on DVD and I can be a part of it too. <laughs> well, that'll be in like two weeks. So, you know. Yes. Yeah. Clearly. All right. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at Brian Jero on my personal site, dearfilm.net. Find our writings at filmstage.com. You can also find all the uh, previous episodes of this. I think our episode for results, which is currently streaming on Netflix, was like 142. Mm-hmm. So check that out if you want. And um, that is all. So next week, is it the I don't Predator? know what we're talking about. I guess. Yeah. Ooh, is it? Hell no. yeah. Wait. Is it? I thought it was in two weeks. Sure. I think it's all in right. two weeks. We'll figure it out. We'll figure out something to talk about. Maybe we'll talk about The Little Stranger. Oh, yeah. Who knows? We'll figure (laughs) it out. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us, and tune in next time. (laughs) 